Welcome back to another episode of Hattrick Lacrosse Picks, the show where we analyze every game from every conference so you can make the best picks. As always, we're your hosts, the three Garretts, and boys, we have a very exciting week of lacrosse coming up. Big Ten tournament, MAC tournament's getting started. The A-Sun is up in the air. It's all chaos. Um, CAA teams are still looking to get seeded. Um, Patriot League, everything is still up in the air, too. Big East looks insane as well. Uh, what did you guys think of this weekend, um, and what are you, how are you guys feeling uh, going into conference, for the, or the last weekend, pretty much, of conference and regular season play? The rivalry games were phenomenal. I am, to everyone listening, if you have not watched a MAC game yet this season, I implore you to do that this weekend. We're going to touch on them when we get to them, and I'll say it again then, but the games this past weekend, like, I did not. There was... The fact that Siena beat Mount St. Mary's just made this MAC wide open to me. Like, I literally, I think anybody could win this conference. Any team in this conference or in this conference tournament could win it. Um, it's it's going to be so exciting. These quarterfinal games are going to be phenomenal. I cannot wait to see the, the semifinals and that conference title. The heart-pounding weekend. It was a great week of lacrosse, um, and I think we have a great week ahead of us. Week 12 for Division One lacrosse is pretty much the exact same thing as, I guess, the new week 18 for NFL teams in that <clears throat> most teams are already done. Some teams are alive, but most years you think it doesn't really mean a whole lot. Guys are resting. This week is not like that. This week is like Chargers and Raiders in years past. It it means something for these teams that are trying to get into their conference tournaments. We have an essential play-in game between Harvard and Yale on top of their already existing rivalry. Just a great season for a great week 12 to kind of cap it all off ahead of really the core playoff hunt. So a, a really exciting culmination to a very entertaining season. Yeah. Like we said, um, a few conference tournaments have already been set: American East, Big Ten, CEA, MAC, and Patriot League, with just seeding to get sorted out this week. If you guys don't have anything else, you want to just dive right into top 20? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Only two receiving votes this week. We have Yale, who is kind of clinging on outside the top 20, but RPI-wise is obviously way higher than 20. And then Vermont re-emerges onto the scene really since the preseason or week one. They have continued to just not lose a conference game, and it looks like they're going to steamroll once again through the regular season of their conference play, and the Catamounts are looking dangerous. Really love Vermont right now and how they're playing. Um, but now we dive right into our 20 through 16 seeds. Uh, we have St. Joe's making a reoccurrence uh, at the 20 spot. Utah staying true at 19. Delaware in the mix at 18, and then Penn and UNC rounding out that uh, 17 and 16 spots. Number 15 is Rutgers, who fell a little bit after their loss to did they play this week? Penn State, right? Yes. Yes, yes. Um, Princeton is number 14, Villanova number 13, 
Syracuse is number 12, and Michigan is number 11. Bracking our top 10 is the Denver Pioneers, followed by Army at 9, Georgetown at 8, Maryland at 7, and Cornell at 6. And rounding out our top five, we have Johns Hopkins at school on Charles Street at taking the fifth spot after their big win over Maryland. Penn State staying in the top five. They continue to win, um, and they got that tiebreaker over Hopkins to secure that first seed in the Big Ten tournament. And then the usual suspects for the top three, UVA, Duke, and Notre Dame. And uh, now we move on to Dog of the Week. Uh, I had another close D unit award, so a collective award to these guys. It was uh, the Boston Terriers defensive unit, close D unit of Dane DeGoler, Trey Brown, and Patrick Morrison combined for 10 ground balls and seven cause turnovers. Um, they forced Lehigh to commit 12 turnovers um, in the in the first half. Um which was a big reason why they won that game. The, the Terriers defensive unit has been, I would say, the weakest part of their game so far this season, but they stepped up in a big way to lock up a bye in the Patriot League tournament, a much-needed one as well because they have an even tougher matchup this week when they take on the number one, number one team in the Patriot League army for the top spot in the Patriot League tournament and a share of the regular season title. Yeah, that's going to be a tough game. That's going to be a really good game this week. Um, that That is one of the more exciting regular season games I'm I'm going to watch, or I'm waiting for, rather. That Patriot League tournament, all of that's going to be very exciting. Reflecting on this past weekend, we had 39 games, and I think, honestly, this is might have been the best weekend in like recent memory that the three of us collectively have ever done that I can remember. Um, Voigt went 34 and 5. His overall record is now 307 and 129. And Glazer and I both went 37 and 2, with the only misses being Mount St. Mary losing to Siena, that upset in the MAC, and Air Force upsetting Jacksonville and the ASUN. That puts Glazer at an overall record of 317 and 119, and I am at 321 and 115. Yeah, I think that's, I don't remember a week with a lot of games with any less than like five or six losses. So a rarity even for us on this podcast to do that well. Yeah, two is, I was tweaking after that. Um, Jumping straight into it, our first Tuesday game this week, we have Brown Bears traveling to Bryant. This game, I spent a lot of time looking at the numbers for. And Brown's shooting the past two games has been absolutely dreadful. And I've said it before, it comes down to their two standout attackmen continuing to do the same issue I've talked about them doing all season. Brown's offense, minus the McLean bros, the past two games, have 15 goals on 48 shots, which puts them at 31.25%. That is pretty solid. I think that put them like around 30th in the league, almost breaking top 20. Meanwhile, the McLean brothers in those same two past games have four goals on 30 shots, which is a astounding 13.33%. 
overall on the season, <laughs> they're putting Brown at 51st overall in the league for shot percentage. And guess who they're sitting right behind? It's none other than Canisius. So they're not doing great in terms of trying to stack up to the other teams. And Brian, on the other hand, is one of the best teams with their shot selection. They're seventh overall, which is amazing for a team that is not in the consensus top 20, I would say, week in, week out. Uh, I, In my mind, I see both McLeans just continuing the same trend this game and letting it spray because I do not think I'm, – I'm going to guess on this. I'm assuming they're going to underestimate Brown or I mean, Brian is an opponent. I feel fairly certain that that's a decent assumption to make given Brown's season. And I think they're going to go into the saying, this is the first out of conference game and non top 20 team that we had to play in a long time. And I think the two of them are just going to let it rip and see what they can do and try to put up big stat lines. And I think that that's going to hurt them in the long run in the long run being this entirety of the game. And I think that's what's going to lead to Bryant winning. I, I like Bryant at home. They've been great at home. They've only lost one game in OT to Boston. So I, I think Bryant takes this in an upset, and it solidifies a really, really, really disappointing season for the Bears. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I, I honestly wish this game was being played in the beginning of the year when everybody was doing their out of conference, like in the first five games of the season. Um, and it's a really entertaining matchup here too, considering, you know, what you said drive in about Brown having a pretty disappointing season. Um, and I think that's something we can all agree on here. Um, but I think the answer to this game is much simpler than we think. Bryant is locked in at the two seed for the American East. Um, they're not moving up or down, regardless if they lose out or win out this week. So, I'm it, honestly, if I'm the Bryant coach, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to play my starters for at most the first half. None of them are going to see the field. I'm not getting guys injured um, before the American East tournament, and then get waiting for that automatic qualifying bid to get in to the big tournament. Um, and I'm going to take Brown here. Because, you know, the McLean brothers, they're pretty good. They can put shots on the board um, and score. Um, but I think they really just put it together here against Bryant and walk away with a win. Um, I don't see Bryant trying to take their chances, I guess you can say. I'll be brief with my pick. We know, everyone knows, Brown is done for the year. They have no shot at the Ivy League tournament and clearly no shot at the national tournament. Mm -hmm. therefore this is brown's championship playoff game whatever you want to do it especially after a year after being the one seed in the ivy under different circumstances like a game earlier in the year i would definitely take bryant but this being brown's final game with all the seniors have gone through and not being able to play i'm taking the bears i think they bring it i think they fight and claw and take it to this bryant team who i actually do think plays a lot of their guys so i think this is a pretty true matchup and i think brown wins it based on heart alone. Moving on, we have uh, only one other game on Tuesday. We have number three, Virginia, taking on Lafayette. Um, pretty easy one here, UVA. Um, won't go away with a dub, Lafayette. They're great. They're going to – they can upset anybody in the Patriot League, I think, but uh, not UVA. Yeah. Um, 
awesome job, Lafayette. Way to make the tournament, beating Bucknell, winning you're in. Um, great for the program. Yeah, Virginia's this is Virginia's scrimmage, I guess, at the end of the year. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, I'll just say this. I don't think Virginia's starters are going to be in there very long. Moving on to Wednesday, where I believe this is Wednesday, where Albany hosts uh, Penn. And correct me if I'm wrong, Albany hosted Yale. I don't think. Yep. Yeah, so mm-hmm. Albany is hosting pretty much half the Ivy League at the yep. end of the season for some reason. Just very interesting scheduling, but, you know, makes for compelling television on a Wednesday night. However, Penn is in no position to lose any game, whether it be a regular season or a conference tournament. So, yes, they will take care of Albany and move right along to the finale of the regular season. Yeah, Penn needs all of the wins that they can get. Right now, according to lacrosse reference, they're sitting at number 10 in the RPI rankings. Um, uh, So, you know, lose to Albany, definitely going to be dropping down a spot. you know, if they win, they stay in that conversation. So best interest, win this game, take down Albany, move on. Yeah, even though it's at Albany, this has to be a tune-up for Penn. I mean, either way, Penn's not making it into the tournament, I don't think, unless they win the Ivy AQ. So this is just a throw out there, whoever you want to throw out. If you want to get some reps, get some reps. But I, I still think Penn's going to win either way. Next up, we have – this is a, our Friday slate now. Friday night. Friday night, lacrosse. We love that. Um, first game that we have on our schedule right now is Colgate versus Holy Cross. Um, I've dubbed this game the Battle for Patriot League Pride, as you would say. Um, I really like Colgate here. I thought they played a great game against Loyola up until the end um, when Loyola started running away with it a bit. Um so, and I'm very happy about Holy Cross's win last week against UMass Lowell. That was a very entertaining game. What a way to come back um, down seven to nothing at one point and then come back to win like 13 to nine or something like that. Um, so, a great game there. I, for now, I really like Colgate. I think they got some studs. Um, they just haven't been able to put it together against some really good teams this year, but they're playing Holy Cross. Get that second win of the season there here. This game, I, I, I agree, Voight. Colgate honestly might be the one team I've said it for Towson so many times this season and the episodes that we've had that Towson's record does not reflect how good they are. If there is one team that is deserving of that title more than Towson, hands down Colgate. Uh, This team is one in nine, but their goal differential is minus 23 on the season. So they're losing by an average of two and a quarter goals every game. Mm-hmm. And the one win that they have is nine goals over Navy. Like the Navy team that we see is not bad at all. So they pulled that out of straight out of their bag. I don't know how they did that one, but they did it. But we all they picked it. <laughs> this game against Holy Cross. Yes. All about pride. You could not have said it better. Voight. I don't see Colgate letting this one go. They all know, both of these teams know this is the last game of the season. There is not a way that this Colgate team, who has played so well at home, is going to let the last game of the year, for all the seniors that are there, I can't see them losing this game. I'm definitely going with Colgate. 
you guys have framed it great. I'm not going to add anything more other than say, for all the reasons they have said, I'm going to take Colgate as well. Next up, we've got a CAA matchup. We have Monmouth traveling to Drexel. And Drexel is 0-2 in their last two conference games. But uh, I do think, and I know that this is the perfect opportunity for them to get a nice little get-right game at home before entering that conference tournament. So I'm going to take Drexel. Yeah, I like Drexel here as well. Um, A dub here secures that number two seed uh, because they've already beaten Stony Brook and Towson this year. So, you know, win, get the two seed, and, you know, feel good about playing either Stony Brook or Towson next weekend or the following weekend. Yeah, I mean, you're right. The two seed is very much up for grabs, and it's if you're Drexel, you want to play Towson, however way it shakes out. But you can't worry about Towson. All you have to do is worry about yourselves. And yeah, I think they take care of a Monmouth team here. And Monmouth, to their credit, this is going to be their last game. And they've had an okay season by their standards. Definitely better than last year. Next up, we have the first A-10 game of the weekend. We have Hobart traveling to UMass. And, oh God, I, I talked to my dad about that this weekend because he's a Hobart alum. And... Hobart's offense, once again, looked great against Richmond. They put up the most points on a Richmond defense that has been put up since Maryland, I think. Or UVA, I think, actually, put up more. But their defense is just absolutely horrendous and cannot keep anybody under any certain goal amount that they think that they need to keep them under. Uh, Now they're up against UMass, whose offense has looked pretty decent these past couple games and all their A-10 games. And I don't trust the statesman in this one at all, especially on the road. So I I have to take UMass in this season finale A-10 matchup for both teams. I don't want to say Hobart is the king of choking because they don't like choke at the end of the games. They choke in the middle of games. Like they get off to huge leads and you're like, oh, Hobart's going to win this game. Like think of the Lehigh game earlier in the year. And then all of a sudden they're losing not by one, but like by five or six. Like what they did it in the Dartmouth game, too. Exactly. It's like mid-second to mid-third quarter. They just break down. Exactly. So mystifying, mystifying stuff. But no, I, I think the UMass defense, and the UMass offense for that matter, takes care of business at home, beats Hobart, and UMass has certainly got their eyes set on a on a AQ from the A-10. Yeah, certainly. UMass's offense has been playing pretty well, especially in the A-10 against High Point. Um, and even St. Joseph's, too, and Richmond, e- even in that loss to Richmond, it was still a very back-and-forth game. Um, and, yeah, um, Hobart, I'm not going to add much. You guys are right. Great offense. Defense can't help, can't help them in the second half. Um, but if you're Hobart, you got to realize that high point losing to St. Joe's is very a very realistic outcome. So if you beat UMass here, and you can get into the A-10 tournament and knock UMass out. Um, so, or I mean, knock High Point out, I believe. Um, my bad. Um, but yeah, no, um, UMass, I think they realize how good of a team they are. They know what's at stake right now. Um, take care of Hobart at home. Uh, it's your last home game of the season for these seniors, too. Um, don't want to send them packing on an, on an upset loss. Next up, we have the finale to the Big East with Marquette going west to number 10, Denver. Uh, Marquette, another 
great performance against a top team taking Villanova overtime, but they just couldn't finish the job. Playing Denver out West is a different story. We've seen it time and again this year. Teams do not play well on Bill Tierney's home field, and I think Denver probably controls this game start to finish with the victory. Is this this is at Marquette, though? Never mind. Never mind. Here's what I'm going to say instead. Denver's going to control <laughs> it at Marquette. Doesn't matter. Any circumstance, Denver's winning this game. I I agree. I don't have a lot to add on this one. Denver has been looking great recently. I will just say I did text Voight and Glazer over the weekend and said, if Marquette beats Villanova, they are hands down the most interesting team this season. They still and might be. Honestly, yeah. if they beat Denver, they out of nowhere pull out a bubble scenario where they could make it could could very slimly make a claim and getting in there. I mean, they would have wins over Penn State, Michigan, and Denver at that point, which is pretty impressive. I lost the Bellarmine. Terrible losses. Yeah, the Bellarmine <laughs> loss is just terrible. So this game will be great. Marquette will be in it. I know that for a fact. But I do think Denver's going to win. Yeah, this is an intriguing one for me because I'm very crit- I- I've been very critical of Denver the last few weeks, and rightfully so. I mean... 12 to 10 win over Towson, 12 to 2 in 12 to 10 win over St. John's where they didn't lead until like five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, and then a 13 to six win over Providence, which is all right, I guess, but that was, they, they had to, they had to really work for that 13 goals. It's Providence. Yeah. Um, and then you look at Marquette, you know, they've lost three straight, but one of those is to Cornell. And then one goal lost to Georgetown, two uh, or two, yeah, one goal lost to Georgetown and Villanova. Um, I really like Marquette in this situation. Um, I think they have a real chance. Uh, I think there's a real chance that Providence can drop that game to St. John's, and if they win this game, they're in the Big East tournament. So I'm on the side of chaos here. I'm going to pick Marquette at home with the upset. We have another Big East matchup with 13th ranked Villanova. This time, I have the home team right. Georgetown is home. I am right with that. Uh, This is a huge game. Huge game. Uh, This could create a three-way tie atop the Big East with Georgetown already having beaten Denver and Denver having beaten Villanova. So very, very interesting scenarios. Uh, Villanova lost both games to Georgetown last year, uh, but they played much better when they played them in the Big East Championship. They lost by two, might have been 14-12, something like that. Because this is a Georgetown I'm going to take them. And the fact is, Georgetown hasn't lost in months at this point. So, you know, momentum is clearly still on their side. However, Villanova is really incentivized to have a three-way tie atop the top the Big East. Moreover, Villanova needs another win to kind of cement their at-large resume even further. So for that reason, it's very compelling to take the Wildcats. But by the same token, Georgetown knows they can't drop one either. I do think these teams have a very good chance of meeting again uh, in the championship. But like I said, I am going to take Georgetown. I just think they're playing a little bit better than Villanova, especially after that Loyola game. I mean, what did everything Loyola, Georgetown, just lit them up across the field? Yeah, I'm very intrigued by this game. Um, 
because the tiebreaker rules state that, you know, if teams are split in that mini conference, then it goes, it moves on to goal differential. So little background here, Georgetown has a goal differential of 40, Villanova is at 42, Denver is at 23. So even if Georgetown loses this game, Denver's not moving up anywhere. Um, Villanova, they're not going to be the two seed after this weekend, no matter what. Um, they'll be the first seed if they win um, because they have a 42 goal differential or unless Georgetown – actually, no, I'm wrong. So, yeah, no, if Villanova wins, they, they're in. If Georgetown wins, they're number one because they're undefeated in the Big East. Um, and then if Villanova loses, they'll move down to three. Uh, because of that Denver loss. Um, I'm going to take Georgetown, too. I think they're on a mission. Um, I think Villanova has been playing down to their opponents in recent weeks uh, with that Marquette game. And uh, let me double-check the other game that they had. Um, with that Denver loss, too. Um, that Brown game was also very suspect as well. Um, so I'm, I'm on the side of consistency here. I cannot believe I let myself get talked off of the Georgetown bandwagon by you two at the beginning of the year. <laughs> fully back on it. Go Hoyas at home. Next up, we have a, another Patriot League matchup. Loyola is taking on Lehigh. Um, Lehigh's, Lehigh is really pissed that they lost that BU game. Loyola just smells out loud to me. I like the Mountain Hawks here. Oh, yeah, it's so challenging being a Greyhound fan. But, yeah, Lehigh, 100% in this game. No no way Loyola wins this, I don't think. They're not going to win a faceoff. I mean, Silsberger might go 100%. Yeah, Loyola, have fun playing your second-to-last game of the season. It hurts. It hurts. But we look to another Patriot League matchup on Friday night with Navy on the road to Bucknell with pretty much zero implications. Uh, Navy is already in the Patriot tournament. Bucknell is already out. Just a matter of seeding. Um, doesn't matter. I do think Navy wins this game up in uh, up in northern PA. Bucknell has just had a pretty down year. And I think it's really important for Navy to have a game under their belt momentum wise, because I think Navy can make a bit of a push in the Patriot. So I like Navy here to build off a decent outing against Army uh, and win a comfortable game against Bucknell. Yeah, I like Navy here as well. And surprisingly, Navy's still eligible for that three seed in the Patriot League tournament. Um, they will need Le Loyola to beat Lehigh, but with the way how the Hounds are playing, I wouldn't be too confident in that scenario. Um, I think Navy wins this game for pride and just hopes that Lehigh drops that game. Also, Navy's offense with... Uh, the return of our line, Xavier R line, um, they look a lot more competitive. They look a lot more um, in in sync with each other. So I like them in this matchup. I like Navy a lot. If they win this one, then they get home field advantage for the quarterfinals. They get home field, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I think that's enough for them to play really hard for this because they're going to play Lowell again. And that was a really, really close game they played the first time. And I think they want every single advantage they can get in that game. Home field advantage being a big one. But I think they're going to go out there and win this one. Next up, we have, a, I think, our last Patriot League matchup of the weekend. Yeah, all of them um, are on Friday. Yeah. Um, 
And our last Friday night matchup, we have our fun team of the week, the BU Terriers, after a very impressive and just fun game to watch against Lehigh this past weekend. Army took down their arch rival Navy um, in a very dominated, fa- dominating fashion. Uh, winner of this game locks up the number one seed uh, for the Patriot League tournament. Boy, do they? Uh, does the winner of this game host the Patriot League tournament? I believe so. Yes. Okay, just, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. If, if Army loses, they'll have a share of the uh, Patriot League title, or I think, or well, I actually wanted to ask you guys this question before we started, but. You know, Army 7-0 and in the Patriot League, BU 6-1. and BU beats Army. Is there a share, or does BU get it because they have that head-to-head tiebreaker? I think they share the regular season title, but I think BU earns the right to host the Patriot tournament. Gotcha. Based upon okay. that head-to-head. Yeah, that would make, yeah, that would make sense. Um, but anyway, bringing it back to this game, um, I really liked BU's offense against Lehigh. They really came into form. Um, and Army's defense really tough against Navy, especially in that second half when their offense just wasn't putting up a ton of goals um, to really spread that game out. I thought that game probably should have been like a 17 to six type score with the way Army played in the first half. Um, BU's second half offense and Army's second half defense is going to be pay-per-view television. It's going to be awesome to watch. Um, I have mixed feelings about this game, though. BU's offense really impressed me, but I still think Army is due for a loss. However, I think Army just knows their situation with the at-large process. Um, just keep their just wants to keep their fate out of the committee's hands. Keep chugging along. Keep charging. Keep getting these quality Patriot League wins and get home field advantage for the tournament. I, I agree, Boyd. I think that last little bit about trying to get that AQ. I mean, Army has two losses right now, and they're to Cornell, which is a very respectful loss, and then, unfortunately, UMass at the very beginning of the season. Which is a horrible loss, but it's not great for RPI. Right. And I think them beating Boston is the best thing that could happen because that's a very, very good, I don't think, like, out of this world to think top 25 win for them. Very respectful RPI. Boston is a very solid team. They've got some good wins against over against good programs. So getting a win at home, huge for them. And Army just plays phenomenally at home as well. So I I I can't see Boston winning this as well as Boston has been playing. I think the AQ is the only way for them to get into the tournament. I think Army has that little bit of sliver of bubble light. So I like Army in this one. Yeah, I mean, B, th- this matchup last year was awesome. BU redeemed that regular season loss to Army, and they won in the Patriot League Championship, or they won in the tournament. Uh, they earned the right to host the tournament, so they could host it up in Boston for the second straight year. Really exciting stuff out of that program. But yeah, Army at home is just a different team. And I think BU... They're, fun, they're a fun team of the week for a reason. They played really energized against Lehigh, just how we thought they were. However, do we not remember the BU that showed up against Navy? That was god-awful. And BU, too, all too often, I think, gets bailed out by their exceptional goalie, Garber. I think signs are pointing in Army's direction here. However, 
I'm not convinced, maybe outside of Lehigh, that anyone can beat BU or Army in the Patriot and in the playoffs. So I do think we're going to see this match at the beginning of the championship. It's this. It's just a matter of this game determining where that's going to be held. I think it's going to be at West Point. So give me the Black Knights. All right. Um, now we move on to our Saturday slate. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, just regular season games, and then we'll move on to the Big Ten tournament and the MAC tournament and talk about that for a little bit. Um, first matchup we have here is a Sun tournament. Um, Detroit Mercy taking on Cleveland State. I don't got much to say. I really like Cleveland State. Just I'm keeping hope alive for them. I'm really rooting for them to make the ASUN tournament. I think it would be great for their program. Voight, completely agree. I I like Cleveland State a lot as a program, period. I, we've talked about it a bunch so far this year. They're great. Their scheduling is great. I think they're doing a lot for that program to make it a lot better and make a lot of noise. On the other hand, I do not like Detroit Mercy a lot this year. I just don't think they're consistent. So I like Cleveland State at home in this one. Total agreement. All day, all Vikings. Moving on to our first CAA matchup of this weekend, I think. No, wait. Mammoth Drexel. Second CAA matchup. Uh, we have the conference-leading number 18 Delaware Blue Hens are traveling to Towson. And the CAA is Delaware's conference to lose again this year. It is all in their hands. And... Like I've said, even though Towson is a better team than I think their record shows, I don't think they're pulling this offset up. I like Delaware on the road. Delaware has locked up the number one seed for the CAA, so no matter what happens with the other games, um, they'll be uh, hosting, I guess. Um, Towson needs a win and a Stony Brook, and Stony Brook to lose to Hofstra to avoid a rematch with Delaware in the tournament, which I think would be in the best interest for them. Um, They've been Towson's just been steadily improving, and Delaware. I've I've said it for a while now. Um, I think Delaware still do, but I said it last week, and I'll say it again. I'm going to keep picking the Blue Hands until they lose. A little bit of history here because I think it's very interesting. The past f- four years of CAA play, so 22, 21, 19, and 18, Towson and Delaware played twice a year, which means they've played in the playoffs either in the championship or semifinal, every single year. So this these teams know each other incredibly well. Delaware has won the last four. So they beat the Tigers twice last year and twice in 2021. However, Towson won you know, the five prior, winning both in 2019 and both in 2018. So this game has a lot of history. These teams have a lot of history. Towson leads the all-time series 44 to 22. Obviously a very different Towson team and a very different Delaware team than usual. Let me make an argument for Towson really briefly, if you're interested. Since losing to Virginia, Towson has lost to Drexel in overtime, beaten Fairfield, lost to Stony Brook by one, beat Hofstra, lost to Denver by two, smoked Hampton, and took Heron Monmouth. So what I'm seeing is a Tiger team that even when they're losing in the past month and a half, staying incredibly competitive with pretty good teams. Now, do I think that's enough to beat Delaware? No. But I bring that all up because I think this is probably a more compelling game than people think. This is a rivalry. This is probably a, a, a one versus four matchups. So they're going to play each other next week. Just very interesting, compelling television. All that being said, though, I am going to take the Blue Hens. Towson is still up for that number two seed as well. They just need to win this one. Stony Brook need to lose. And uh, 
uh, gosh, I keep my brain has been fried this weekend with Drexel to lose as well. Um, but you know, take care of business against Delaware first. Next up, we have another CAA matchup. This one might be a lot less intriguing. Hamden's traveling to Fairfield. I'm taking Fairfield. Same as I mean, both these teams last game of the year. Yeah, Stags are gonna go out on top. Yeah, I'm I'm taking the Stags as well here. Moving on to our de facto Ivy League playoff play-in game, we have the Yale Bulldogs on the road to the Harvard Crimson for one of the oldest rivalries in all of sports. Arch rivals looking for a chance to make the NCAA tournament by way of a shot at the AQ in the Ivory tournament. Harvard 100% gets a huge boost here with it being at home. Drive-in in weeks past has cataloged how important home field is for the Ivy League. But this team has a lot of injuries. Uh, and it's really crippled them since Sam King has gone down. Whereas Yale is on a four-game winning streak. And I just have a hunch Yale makes it five. There's a reason Yale's RPI is at high is as high as it is. And I think they kind of keep that momentum going. If you ask me right now, I do not think Yale wins the AQ. But if there's a team to kind of blow up the Ivy League, Yale's that team. And I think they take care of business here. And I think they just make things interesting against Cornell, assuming Cornell wins and things pan out that way. Yeah, it's a winner-go-home game for um, really Ivy team, more so Harvard in this situation um, than any other. Yale will still have a little bit of an RPI chance, but their odds go way down with a loss here. Um, It's funny that you say that Sam King got hurt because I didn't know that, and now it makes this stat that I'm about to tell you guys much more... um, um, but it gives me a good reason as to why this stat is the way that it is. Um, a few weeks ago, I pointed out Harvard has a top 15 extra man uh, unit. Uh, ever since I said that and playing in the, and these are only stats from the Penn and Princeton games, they are two for 12 on EMO chances in the last two games. They've had 12 extra man opportunities and they've only con- uh, converted on two of them. And I assume that's because Sam King isn't in the game. Sam King might not be injured. I might have heard that incorrectly because he did play against Princeton. So I don't know, but I thought I saw him being injured. But he has played the past couple games. He dropped six points against Princeton. So So I don't think he was injured that game. So it's still very interesting that this stat is the way that it is, regardless Sam King is in the game or not, because they were 0 for 5 on extra man opportunities in the previous game this weekend. Um, So... Yeah, whatever. What what has made their offense so good this year has just been neutralized in the last few games. Yale on a four-game winning streak. Um, but I think Harvard is the toughest opponent that they have played in four games this season, uh, or in the last four games, rather. Um, and considering the stakes, stakes and the fact they are playing at Harvard, um, this game is going to be a very tough one for the Bulldogs. I'm taking Yale for now, but... I, it'll be a game time decision for me because I could feel differently. Um, I'll have to look into that um, Sam King injury, quote unquote. I'm putting quotation marks. Nobody. Can you see should me. put more of the quotations um, on it. I might be just a flat <laughs> liar and getting injuries confused between teams. Yeah. So yeah, for now I'm taking Yale because I think they're hot. Um, they know it's at stake. Um, all those guys have been here before in the, in a similar situation. 
Um, whereas Harvard, they've kind of been in and out of the top of the Ivy League the last few years. Uh, mine's going to be quick. I don't like Harvard as a team. I think they are just very dead average and they have no right to make any tournament. Not to like make them feel bad for doing it, but they lost to freaking Dartmouth guys. Like you're forgetting that they did that. Like, don't forget about that. Like this team is not good. Like they, they beat Cornell. Great for them. They had a great day that day. And I think it was also the fact that Cornell just was super off. This team does not deserve to make the Ivy League tournament. It doesn't deserve to make the tournament, period. That should not happen, unless they somehow pull the AQ. But I don't think they do. I think they lose to Yale at home. They followed up their win against Cornell at home to a loss against Penn at home, and they lost that very well. Like, they did not put up a good fight in that game. Harvard's not great. I like Penn a lot. Or, I mean, I like Yale a lot. There is a reason, like Glazer hinted to, I think their RPI is like 10, which is absurdly high for a it, team that. Not to, not to interject, but like lacrosse reference has Yale as being safely in right now, as having an mm-hmm. RPI good enough to get in right now. That's they're, they're number eight in the rankings right now. Unbelievable to me, which I don't know how they have it like that. But I mean, I'm, you know, numbers do number things, and I guess it just makes sense for them to get in. But I do think Yale wins this one. I think they win it easily. It's gonna they're gonna make an interesting Ivy League tournament against Cornell. Whether we like it or not, I think there's going to be one at least one team that gets in off a of technicality that we as a group do not believe should be in the tournament. Let's just throw that out there. Like Harvard last year. Yes. God I mean, look at Penn, look at Penn this week. If like them beating Albany probably makes it worse for their RPI. Like that would be a better buy for them, and that's just not good for our sport. Like we want more games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alrighty. Anything else before we move on? No, we got to move on. Anything to add? Yeah. Alrighty. Good stuff. All right, because I'm very excited for this matchup because I believe I'm the only one picking the latter year. Um, Jacksonville taking on Bellarmine for that number two seed. Uh, Jacksonville can still get the one seed if um, – or actually, no, they can't get the one seed. I'm Apologies. Um, I've been going through scenarios all weekend, so my brain has been absolutely fried. Um, and the ASUN is probably the one where I have questioned throwing my computer at the wall this, week, this weekend. Um, but anyway, moving on. Let's look at this past weekend. Jacksonville shot themselves in the foot when they lost to Air Force um, in just an embarrassing, embarrassing performance by by the Dolphins. Um, with that loss, Jacksonville is even in danger of falling to the number four seed in the A-Sun. Um, Bellarmine is still alive for that second seed and a bye in the A-Sun tournament. They would also need to win this game and Air Force to lose. Um, so lots at stake for both teams. I did, Jacksonville... They need to get serious. They have a lot of talent. I think they know they have a lot of talent. They're just not putting results on the board. Um, their vibes are bad. I don't like it. I think they're just playing. They, they were very cocky. That was very cocky play against Air Force. They thought they were going to come in and roll over them, and suddenly Air Force goes up on top of them for a little bit, and then they just fold like beach chairs. Um, on the other hand, I really love Bellarmine's vibe. I believe that they can beat Jacksonville. Um, which is why I'm taking them in this in this matchup. Um, 
Bellerman has Kyle Playstead, who is second in points this year behind CJ Kirst, who is a Torton favorite. That's unbelievable. And they also have two other guys, one guy at the attack and midfield, who have 50-plus points this year. Um, whereas Jacksonville, they have Dylan Watson. That's their leading points, points getter, but he only has 43 points on the year. Um, they both played Duke this season, and ever since both of, the, both of their Duke games, um, I feel like they've played more or less the same schedule. Jacksonville has um, obviously seen a lot more success on paper. And Bellarmine has, you know, let some games get away from them. But I think they realize what's at stake here. Um, Jacksonville, I just, I, I don't see them getting serious about this game. Um, Bellarmine's at home. It's their last home game of the season. They want to win this game for the seniors. Um, it just means a lot more to them. I really like the Knights here. Uh, this Jacksonville team, what you said it, it's almost like Jacksonville should bounce back from the air force game and be like hey how, did we just play in slow motion like we played against this team that we all everybody thought we should be not just them i'm sure they went into that thing they should win but every single expert out there definitely thought jacksonville should win that game too mm-hmm. and they went out there and got like just dropped on like they 15 11 like it's not a great score line to see and the thing I'll say is that they should have done that after Utah. They shouldn't have dropped that game against Air Force. They've already had that, hey, we played sluggish game against a team that should not have beaten us type feel. Why are we doing it again? Like, I, I this Jacksonville team is not good. I have not ranked them in my top 20 since, I think, week two. And I think you two have been a little bit higher on them than I am this season. I think their win against Duke is very weird. Thank God they did it. I Duke was shaky for me at the beginning of the season. Uh, Voight, I love your pick for Bellarmine in this game. I love it. I respect the hell of it, and I will be rooting for the Knights this weekend. I just don't see Jacksonville losing a third A-Sun game in which they now know for a complete fact. They are not getting in without that AQ. Like, there is a 0% chance this team is getting in the tournament without an AQ. I think that really kicks in after the Air Force loss. I think they would have been like, oh, we only lost to Utah and Johns Hopkins. And we beat Duke. So, you know, we beat Duke. We beat the number two team in the country. Why shouldn't we get in off of a bubble if we don't win the AQ? Nope. Now you've lost to Utah and Air Force, and you don't deserve an at-large bid, period. You need that AQ or you're not getting in. So I think Jacksonville is going to show up in this game. Bellman does play really well at home, but I think Jacksonville shows up. I think they win, and I think they get that third seed, and it's going to be a wonky A-Sun tournament, I can tell you that. Yeah, Bellman is a really compelling pick, and truthfully, they're a, they're a dark horse, but like, I don't think they're that much of an underdog here given Jacksonville's recent performance and Bellman's ascendancy this year. I am going to have to side with dry band here and think that Galloway has to be having his boys focused up for this one and almost treating it as a playoff game, right? Jacksonville knows they're in, but I mean, Jacksonville's at a position where like they might not even make the ace on championship at this point. Like they're just got to take it game by game, day by day and get through this Bellarmine Knights team before they even think about playoffs or national tournament hopes. So for that reason, I'm going to take Jacksonville, but if Bellerman wins, I don't think 
any of us or most of the country should be that surprised. Sorry, I uh, just want to add one more thing here. I almost think it's also better for Jacksonville if they lose this game. Call me crazy, but, you know, you, you just dropped to Air Force. You just lost to Bellarmine. You have to be going into that ASUN tournament absolutely fuming that you ended the season the way you did and just firing in all cylinders. That's when I think, like, just the switch turns, turns on for them. And they just get real serious about the tournament and be like, all right, it's time to stop fucking around. Let's win this ASON tournament. Uh, very fair. I mean, I, I agree with you. And I feel like that's why they're not going to lose to Bellarmine. I think that they've hit that switch now. At least if, if they're a okay. mature team, I think that they would have hit that switch already. That's, that's the thing. I just don't think they have that maturity level. As, and that's yeah. why I think that your pick for Bellamin is a respectable as hell pick point. I think that, that makes so much sense to pick them. Yeah. No. All right. Enough Moving about that. <laughs> Enough about um, that. Next game, we've got a America East bottom of the barrel matchup. We've got NJIT traveling to UMass Lowell. And Lowell's season to forget continues after letting Holy Cross just – that game just slipped through their fingers. They were up 7-1 or 7-2, I think, and just got destroyed the rest in the second half, especially. They just got outplayed by Holy Cross. And I, I think NGIT has been the clear better team this season for me. Uh, UMass Lowell has not won a game. They really haven't come close besides that Holy Cross game. And even then, they just didn't look like a team that wanted to win the second half. So... Even though this is at UMass Lowell, I, I'm going to pick NJIT again. Interest, interesting history here. UMass Lowell is actually 5-1 all-time against NJIT. They have dominated the Highlanders. They won a one-goal game 8-7 last year. I was surprised because, just like Dryman said, I thought NJIT was kind of far and away the better team in this matchup. However... I think both teams are probably a little better than you think. No, they're not great, but they're not god-awful. They're not getting blown out every game. They are staying competitive here and there. Had I not known the history and otherwise, I would have actually taken the Riverhawks at home here to get their first win just to have a win on the season. But really, I think NJIT is actually head and shoulders better than them. I think NJIT is actually a pretty good game. They pretty good team. They just lost a, a UMBC by two. So they're clearly contending with people. And I do think this program gets its get an, gets another win. Is that two or three this year? Insane. Uh, if they win this game, quick little tidbit, it will mark program history for the most wins in the season for NJIT. Next up, we have our final Big East matchup of the weekend with St. John's on the road to Providence. And I'm going to take Providence here. I think they're just better than St. John's. But I do want to highlight one very interesting point. We talked about how good Marquette is, how interesting they are, and how if they beat Denver, they become a very compelling team. We can't forget, Providence has the head-to-head over Marquette. Providence wins this game. They are the fourth seed in the Big East. Doesn't matter what Marquette really does to, does to Denver, I, I don't think. So Providence is in the driver's seat here. For that reason, St. John's becomes all the more compelling team to root for if you're a Marquette fan, um, because if they win, then you're probably in if you take care of your business. So not a hugely interesting game, but with some interesting implications for conference tournament play. I, I agree, Laser, And it's 
interesting if you're a St. John's fan too, because in the last six games that Marquette, I mean, that Providence has played, their only win is the home win against Marquette, and they won by two. So if there was a team that St. John's would have a good chance at that probably might be feeling a little bit low on morale because they just have not gotten wins, it's going to be this Providence team. And St. John's get a Big East win for the first time in like five years or something like that. It's been a They're 0-13 this year. They just want one win. I, yeah, I, I, and I think St. John's knows that. I think they've got a great opportunity. Do I think they win? No. But – St. John's has put up a great fight against Denver, especially. We highlighted that last week. But even Georgetown this weekend, 18-12, they put up a better fight than Loyola did. So this team can do a good job. Well, it'll be a very fun Big East game, a lot on the line for Providence, especially this game, and pride-wise for St. John's. So interesting one to see how it turns out. I'm going to take Providence here. I don't like their vibes, though. I'm a big vibe guy this week. Um, I don't get good vibes from them. I get good vibes from St. John's, um, especially how they've been playing the last few weeks. Um, other than that, I don't have much to add. Moving on to another A-10 matchup. We've got number 20 St. Joe's at high point. And St. Joseph's can seal the regular season conference A-10 title with this win and get the ever-important home field advantage for the conference tournament. Uh, and if they do win this game, more than likely, this is going to be just a rematch for the one and number four seed. St. Joe's will be one, and High Point is most likely going to be number four in that tournament. Um, St. Joe's has been playing great since their spring break mid-March. They're six and one since then, and their only loss is to Duke, and that was a three-goal loss. So I, I think they're going to continue that momentum, even though they're on the road. I like St. Joseph's a lot. This is their only way into the conference with that AQ now for a team that a lot of big aspirations this season. Gotta like them in this game. I like the Hawks. I do too, but I'm just very nervous about Hawk Hill. I think they're, yeah, they are six and one, but it's just been kind of a very trepidatious six and one, not very convincing from my perspective. And so for that reason, I do think they are very vulnerable against this high point team who is capable of scoring a lot of goals. But I have to go with the smart, sensible pick here and take St. Joe's. Maybe High Point learns a thing or two about St. Joe's this week and surprises them the next time they play. But for now, going to go Hawk Hill. Next up, we go back to America East play. We've got number one in that conference, Vermont, traveling to UMBC and... Good God. Vermont's going to go another year without losing a single conference game. Not even like conference regular season, just a conference game period. The last year, they won 8-0 in America East games, regular season and postseason. And now, after what they've played this year, they are at an insane since beginning of the season 2021. They are 21-2 in all America East games. 21 and 2. That's absolutely absurd. They have dominated this conference to a T, and UMBC is not slowing them down, even at home. There's just no chance. Uh, Vermont all the way in this game. Yeah, I like Vermont here. They've been playing pretty well. Yeah, 
I would be inclined to take UMBC just because Vermont's in cruise control and UMBC needs to win to try to get into the America East tournament. But yeah, I think Vermont's just too good, too strong, too powerful for anyone right now uh, until they meet Bryant again, really. So catamounts. Alrighty, moving on. Next up, we have a, another ASUN matchup. Utah is taking on Queens in Queens. Um, not going to say much. I like the Utes. Um, they're in another similar situation. They've locked up the number one seed. Uh, could be seeing the seniors in the reserves by the second half. 25 for Utah? I mean... Let's just keep the goals pouring. This offense is the most prolific scoring, I think, at least in school history, and it's breaking some national records. This Utah tournament, Utah team is dangerous in the ASUN tournament, and I'd even dare say if they win the AQ, dangerous in the national tournament. I, I agree. Bouncing off that, they're going to pummel Queens, and I cannot wait to see how this huge team plays against a consensus top 20 team. I think they're going to put up a really good fight, and I think it'd be a great game. Next up, we have our last Ivy League matchup of the weekend with Dartmouth hosting Brown for what is definitively both of these teams' last games. It is the another bottom-of-the-barrel conference matchup. A surprising one, though, and one that's more compelling given that Dartmouth does have a win. I think earlier in the year I said that if Dartmouth Dartmouth was going to have a win, it was going to be against Brown. Of course, they beat Harvard. Circumstances changed. All that being said, I think Dartmouth does have a chance here, um, especially given uh, Brown's tough midweek game against Bryant. But I'm going to kind of relay what I said about Bryant in that Bryant game as well. Their season's over. The seniors feel screwed over. They're just trying to go out and just score a crap ton of goals, go out on a win, and have an awesome party afterwards. And this time, it doesn't matter if they get kicked off the team because the team is done. <laughs> so, go Bears. Yeah, Glazer, I I fully agree with you. Dartmouth's not going to win two Ivy League games this year. This is Brown's actual last game of the season. I don't see them losing this. I like the Bears a lot in this game. Yeah, I like Brown, too. But don't count out Dartmouth, man. They've been in the bottom of the barrel in the Ivy League for a very long time. Um, so don't count them out. Um, I think this is going to be a very entertaining game, for sure. Next up, we've got a great ACC matchup. We have Syracuse, number 12 Syracuse traveling to number two Duke. And this is a prime ACC rivalry that's really come into fruition just the past 10 years, actually. Um, and it might be surprising to some, but Syracuse has dominated this rivalry in recent years. Uh, they've won seven of the last 11 meetings. And honestly, if I hadn't checked the stats, I would have picked Syracuse at the beginning of this year against Duke because Duke's win in the Dome earlier this season was their first win there ever. They mm -hmm. had never won at Syracuse before that, which I was mind-boggling to me. Hughes has a phenomenal home record in this matchup, leading five to one. But when it's not the dome and it's at neutral or in Durham, Q still leads, but it's only nine to seven. So much more even. The very big thing in this matchup for me is the fact that Duke had a bye last week. They've had two full weeks to prepare for Syracuse, knowing it's been Syracuse the entire time, while Syracuse had to play Notre Dame again 
And that is not a cakewalk that game. Or no, UVA. They played UVA this past weekend. Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. And that is also not a cakewalk that game. I, I think the rest is the really big thing for this and it being at home, not in the dome. Even though Q's, I like them a lot. They looked really good the second half of the season. It, this is Duke for me, hands down. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I really like Duke in this one. Um, if Syracuse wins this game, I'm very scared because the committee, being the ACC biased animals that they are, will consider the parity of the ACC this season and how well they've played down the stretch. Syracuse um, would get in. I don't even have a doubt in my mind. I yeah. think they would get in. It would infuriate people, but I think they would get in. It, they would they would absolutely be that one team that would just doesn't deserve to be there, but somehow just gets in. Um, I like Duke here, though. They feel like a more complete team. And honestly, I hate to say it, I wish I had ranked them number one this week because I think in the late ends and the later end of the season, especially in Memorial Day weekend, I think Duke takes that edge over Notre Dame. Um, because they've already played them, and let's not think too far ahead. Um, they don't. Duke doesn't want to drop any of these um, games in order to get a favorable seeding in the tournament. Um, if they win, they have that chance of the number one seed. They have that chance to play Vermont or Mount, um, which would be like the likely play-in game, I guess. Um, if they lose, you know, you're looking at Delaware, Utah, Jacksonville and St. Joe's, who are much tougher teams, especially. Um, Q's been really cheeky with their shots, too, which I'm not a fan of. Um, if they miss, when they make it, it, it's great. We saw that jump under the legs shot by, I forget who, who it was. That was pretty cool. Um, but I like Duke here. More complete team. Um, not looking to drop too many games like this. Coach Stanowski. I know you probably don't listen to this podcast yet, but please, if you are, listen to me now. Do not give Syracuse any hope of making the tournament. They shouldn't even be in a conversation, but the, but they are, and it's stupid. So please, end the conversation. Tell Gary Gate and his boys to go back home. Let's move on. Duke's winning this game. All righty. Next up, we have another interesting Based on matchup, especially if you're Cleveland State, you're watching this game very closely. It's Lindenwood taking on Mercer at Lindenwood. Win and in scenario for Mercer here. If they lose and Robert Morris wins and Cleveland State wins, they're out of the ACC tournament. Or in the, not the, or the ASUN tournament, not the ACC tournament. Brain fried. The difference, it's a different level of conference. <laughs> not that one. So a lot would need to happen for the Bears to be knocked out, but it's still very realistic um, with the state that the A-Sun is in this season. I'm going to take Mercer because, you know, they have Ashton Wood. They're probably not looking to drop to Lindenwood, but Lindenwood, they can be that. They can be those guys. They can be those guys that ruins everything for the Bears. And I can see it. I might feel differently later in the week, but we'll see. I don't think they are. I don't think they are. I think Mercer wins this game. I think Mercer makes the tournament and they lose in the first round and Asun is more interesting in the semis. That's all. Yeah, I don't see it either. Lindenwood's been not great since they beat Queens. I like Mercer in this game. 
Next up, we have Merrimack hosting Bryant in Merrimack's ultimate game of the America East season and their final year of postseason ineligibility. Uh, I think Voight made a great point about Bryant resting guys against Brown, and I think Bryant might actually rest guys against Merrimack here and there. Even still, though, America's team has plummeted since being dubbed America's team months ago. And I think Bryant's just too good. I think Bryant is is actually better even than people expect. And I'm going to take him here. But Voight is literally limbering up to tell us why he's going to take the Warriors. I'm taking um, Bryant. Oh, you. I like that team way too much. I love you, Mary Mac, but not this one. Heartbreaking way for the Warriors to go out yesterday against Albany. Um, Bryant is locked in at the two seed. Like I said, there's no need to risk this in a no-nonsense American East game when the tournament is right around the corner. Merrimack, yes, they haven't played great, but they've played a great game against Albany who is, a, like it or not, a top-four team in the American East. Um, let me look at their schedule real quick. Um, you know, not great record, but, you know, they play with fire. They play with energy. We've given up for, on them because there's just no chance of them making the tournament. What the hell do they have to lose right now? And especially with Bryant. Probably not going to be playing a bunch of their guys. I'm taking the Warriors. In another right. America East game, we've got Albany traveling to Binghamton. And the winner of this, correct me if I'm wrong, boy, they're going to be the three seed in the America East tournament. And yes. I think it's really safe to say that both of them really do not want to play Vermont until the final. Um, Vermont no, one, both, no one wants to play Vermont right you know, now. Uh, Vermont and Bryant both look kind of like unstoppable trains in the America East right now, but Bryant is stoppable. Vermont is not right now. And I, this game means a lot to both these teams. I think Binghamton's going to bounce back with a solid win against Albany after their last week loss to Bryant. And Albany is also just terrible on the road, so I like the Bearcats alone. I like the Bearcats a lot at home on this one. Words. Words spew. Uh, words spew. Yeah, winner of this game, number three in the American East Tournament, um, will take on Bryant. Um, I, I just don't know. I don't know if Bainton has been the same since that NJIT scare earlier this year. Since that game, they lost to Bryant in a game where they were down 12-4 to at one point. They squeaked by UMBC in a back and forth three goal win um, and lost to Vermont in an abysmal offensive per performance. Um, we all know who you Albany is though. That's the real kicker here. We know you Albany isn't great, um, but you know what? They can still put up points when they need to. My only concern is just can Binghamton get the job done? Um, I think they can, which is why I'm going to pick them here, but they've given me some reason to doubt them in the tournament in recent weeks. You make a valid point, Voight, but I think Binghamton is just objectively better than Albany this year. Mm -hmm. Binghamton has had a great season by all standards, and I think Binghamton has a feeling that if they win this game, they have a shot at beating Bryant. I really do. Uh, and I think they want that shot more than Vermont. 
So yeah, I think they take care of business here against Gadimar. Next up, we have another ASUN matchup. We have Air Force welcoming the Robert Morris Colonials, Bobby Moe. Air Force has been playing great lacrosse um, late this season, despite that loss to Bellarmine. Um, Robert Morris's offense has been sort of revitalized as well. Um, because I really want Cleveland State to make it in, I'm taking Bobby Moe because it would just be better for them. They can take, they win the game, Mercer loses, they get that head-to-head. I'm just putting that, that energy out there. Um, Air Force is going to be riding that Jacksonville win all week and may or may not fall asleep at the wheel. So I'm going to go with Bobby Moe for now. Air Force uh, is our surprise team of the week. Um, not many surprises last week, but certainly Air Force beating Jacksonville on the road was not exactly expected. Air Force beating Bobby Moe at home is definitely expected. And I think definitely is going to happen. Uh, Bobby Moe, I gave them too much credit. Dryband called them frauds and Dryband probably right about them. Uh, Air Force should have no problem here with the Colonials at home, especially. Yeah, Falcons are five and one at home so far this season. I don't think they're losing this game to Robert Morris. They are frauds, as Glazer said. Next up, we have an A10 matchup that is probably the most uninterest, uninterest, uninteresting game of the week. Nice. Been a long, long day for all three of us. It's St. Bonaventure on the road at Richmond, and yeah, I'm taking Richmond. Bonnies have just been so freaking poor. Richmond all the way in this game. We know who both of these teams have been this year. Um, just take the Spiders and, you know, have a good weekend. Last game on Saturday before we get into our conference tournament slate. We've got Stony Brook traveling to Hofstra. And Hofstra, I'll give them credit. They've looked a lot better these past few weeks. They've been 3-1 and one in their last four. Uh, but I really do not see them beating a Stony Brook team that looks great again this is a solid stony brook side they just are in the caa instead of the america east this season i'm taking the seawolves yeah i am taking the seawolves as well the good news for stony brook they cannot fall to the fourth seed uh in their conference tournament so they pretty much have are a lock for that two or three um a win and a Drexel loss gets them uh, there to two, but I expect Drexel to take down Monmouth um, and lock up that two seed. So I think they win here, get the three seed, and get ready for another Drexel game. Give me the Seawolves and Voigt. Give us some Big Ten quarterfinal games. Rematch. That is the name of the Big Ten tournament of this weekend. Um, we got Ohio State taking on Michigan. Um, we were talking a little bit about Ohio State and Michigan before this, uh, before we started recording this episode. Um, Ohio State injury ridden, but they're still playing with a lot of heart. Michigan, though, they look awesome this year. Um, really like how they're playing their middies, their attack, their defense, their goalie play, uh, just playing as a unit and all just playing very exceptionally well this season. Um, a lot of close games, lots of games they probably should have won. Um, and, you know, they could be a higher seed in this tournament. 
Um, but you know, when you got Penn State playing the way that they've been playing, Maryland, um, you know, being Maryland and Hopkins, uh, just being revived after a very abysmal last few years, um, I would say this season, big success for the Michigan Wolverines, win or lose. Um, I think they should be very proud of how they how they have uh, finished out this year. Um, I expect them to win this game, keep building that RPI resume for uh, that uh, that at-large bid, and who knows? They may win the whole dang thing, too, if things go their way. So uh, watch out for the Wolverines, man. Voight, you just did a great job praising Michigan, and I'm a big fan of Michigan this year, too. So I'm going to take my time instead to slander Ohio State. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I am befuddled by how bad this team is. They are absolutely terrible on the road. I, I, I spoke about it before we started recording. This team boggles my mind. There was so much hype in that new home stadium they built for lacrosse, which is awesome. $24 million, dollars, by the way. It's beautiful. But for some reason, it seems like all of the Ohio State players just don't want to leave. And then when they do have to leave, they just are like, I guess we won't show up. Let's go back home. Let's go back home, guys. We don't need to play lacrosse. In the five games they have played on the road this season, they played 13 games in total, by the way. They've played eight at home, only five away. That's not very normal. Most teams play half and half just to get like a good, nice little record. They did not do that. I can see why Ohio State did that. Did not do that now. They are 0-5 in those five games. They have scored an average of 9.2 goals per game in those five, and they have let up an average of 17.2. They're losing by an average of eight goals per game. I, I, I don't know, like, exactly what goes on with this team and, like, if they really just don't want to play on the road or, like, what – I don't I, – it, it boggles my mind. It doesn't make sense to me at all. I don't think this trend's going to end against Michigan. There's just no way. This Michigan team has too much momentum on their side, and this is their best Big Ten year by far. I don't think they're going to let that momentum die. And this OSU team just has lost everything over the last – Two months. I, I tried to call it when they lost three in a row and had just come off the loss to Notre Dame and said, this is going to be the new Michigan. They're going to win one more game this year, and then they're going to lose everything else after starting 3-0 and with that only win being Detroit Mercy. Somehow this team squeaked a win against Rutgers and made me put my words in my mouth. But besides that, they have fulfilled the prophecy, and they went from 3-0 and to five and eight, that two and eight skid. This is not a good Ohio State team. They're just not good. Michigan's a lot better than them. You have to take the Wolverines at home in this one. You just have to. I need all of five seconds. I don't need to explain anything. Michigan is just the better team, and I'm going to mm-hmm. take them. Mm-hmm. All right, mo- moving on to. Uh, the second quarterfinal game, um, let's just stay real quick uh, before we uh, move on. Um, the Big Ten tournament is a fixed bracket, so the winner of Ohio State-Michigan will move on to play Penn State. The winner of Rutgers and Maryland will go on to play Hopkins in that semifinal game. Um, with that being said, Rutgers, we dubbed them our panic team this week. They just don't look great. 
Uh, they haven't looked great. I mean, they Ohio State's only win is over Rutgers or, or in the Big Ten this year, uh, which can says everything what you, everything that you need to know about this Rutgers team. Um, Cameron looks like he's playing hurt. Um, their defense is non-existent. I I think the Terps just get get the job done again. Um, granted, Terps didn't didn't play very well against Hopkins. Threw the ball away a bunch. Um, just didn't look like they were paying attention too much in the first half um, to a lot of skip passes and stuff like that. So a lot of very fixable things, which I think they'll fix up um, this week. But you know, you got to get the job done. It's tournament time. Um, you're eight and four. Notre Dame was eight and four last year, and they we all thought they should have made the tournament. Um, so you know what? Put everything to bed. Beat these team. Beat this team. Go on to Hopkins. Rutgers should be doing more than panicking. They should be running around screaming like chickens with their heads cut off at this point because beating Maryland is really their only saving grace at even having a hope, a hope of making an at-large bid. Otherwise, they're done. They're just done. They're not good enough. And I'll, I'm going to be pick, picking Maryland for a very simple reason, and it's the exact same reason I took Michigan. They're just better than Rutgers. They are. These Big Ten quarters are not as compelling as I think maybe they could have been two or three weeks ago. So give me Maryland. Yo, yeah. This game's not going to be great, especially after this last weekend. I mean, Penn State just on all facets of the game, they outclassed Rutgers everywhere. There was not a single area that I thought Rutgers looked better than them. And I mean, Penn State practically tripled them in the scoreline, 14-5. Maryland is just the better team. I agree. Yes, they lost to Hopkins, but I still think this Maryland team is one of the best and can beat anybody in the league this year. Like they can't. This Rutgers team, on the other hand, cannot. I do not think that is the same case for them. They're going to lose this game. They're going to go one in five in their last six games, all of them being Big Ten games. And with that that quota, the committee has to see that and say, okay, if we're going to give four teams a bid from Big Ten, Rutgers can't be one of them. Like they just simply can't be. They're they are outside. They're on the complete outside looking in. If they want any hope for the rest of the season, they have to win this game. But they're just simply not. I'm taking Maryland. Lights, camera, action. We've arrived, gentlemen. It's the Mac tournament. It's almost like I feel like I'm Jim Nance in in early April saying it's Sunday at the Masters because it's Saturday and it's the Mac quarterfinals and we have some great matchups. The first of which. The number five seed, Sacred Heart Pioneers. That's right. The Sacred Heart Pioneers, who started 0-8, are in the MAC tournament. And they are taking on the number four seed, Sienna Saints, who have just beat the number one-slash-two seed, Mount St. Mary's Mountaineers. A fascinating game to get us going. I know you both are very high on Sacred Heart, but Sienna has beaten the one and two seed in the MAC. They beat Manhattan, and they beat Mount St. Mary's, and they're playing this game at home. And I know Sacred Heart has been on a great run in conference, but I think Siena is just the more stout defensive team, and I think they get it done against the Pioneers. But let me tell you something, people. Do not watch the Big Ten. Watch the MAC. I 
am only going to say one thing, and it's a question for Dryband. How is Sacred Heart going to be to see on a team who just beat Mount and Manhattan? The Sacred Heart team, they're going to beat him with heart. You like it? I hate it. You like that one? It's dumb. You like that one? It's a little cheesy, but I'll take it. I'll take it. Because this team, that's what they are. They embody the name. Stepping back from the cheesiness, this team actually, like, I I love how they've been playing the last few weeks. They have been phenomenal. And even last weekend, I name-dropped him last week. Morgan O'Reilly, the guy on Sacred Heart, I don't think he played against Canisius. Or he got hurt and re-hurt himself within the first half. But they dominated a Canisius team that was looking meh for some part of the max season, at least a little bit. Um but this team, I, I love how they play. I love the fact that this, it, even though this is at Siena, Siena just, they're not convincing to me. They have not been convincing to me. I, mm-hmm. I don't like that they dropped a game to VMI. I don't like that they dropped a game to LIU. And I really don't like that they dropped a game to Quinnipiac and Marist at home. I they're really good. They they got those wins over Manhattan and Mount St. Mary's. But honestly, this pick, me picking Sacred Heart is more because of how on the up and up I think Sacred Heart is than I think how poor, I guess, Sienna's is doing. Because they're not doing bad. I just think Sacred Heart is a better team. I think they've got momentum. I think they realize how quick they've turned their season around. And I, you know, I am rooting all for that Cinderella story because this team can do it i think in our final saturday game our final mac quarterfinal we have the number six quinnipiac bobcats traveling to poughkeepsie new york to take on the number three seed maris red foxes this game's super important and super interesting because quinnipiac already beat maris this year they beat them 14 12 now, grant you, that was at Quinnipiac, but that was also when Marist was kind of going through it in their season. They mm-hmm. lost to Canisius and they lost to Quinnipiac before beating Sacred Heart and before beating Manhattan. Marist is definitely, I think, resurging after after that loss to Quinnipiac. They won every game except a 9-12 loss to Mount St. Mary's. I think this Marist team is shaping up to be a uh, real danger to those top seeds like Siena. And I do think that as interesting as these quarterfinals are for the MAC, I think both higher seeds win and make the semifinals all the more interesting. So give me the Red Foxes here in a redemption game against the Bobcats. I agree with you, Glazer. Marist has been playing very well since end of March. They're five and one in their last six games. Um, and at this point right now, you've got to understand, I'm pretty sure none of these Mac teams have played any out of conference games just because of the sheer amount of regular season conference games they've had to play. I, I don't think they've played an out of conference game since beginning of March, if I'm not mistaken, like all pretty much all of them. So they're every single one of these teams that is in this tournament are very familiar with each other. <laughs> They know how they've all done against each other. They know how they all fared. Marist has had 
a little bit of a bumpy road at the beginning of the season, like Laser said, but they've been playing great. And they're pretty good at home. I'll give them that. So I, I, I like Maris in this game. Yeah, I like Maris as well here. Um, Quinnipiac is just too up and down for me, whereas Maris has been, you know, somewhat consistent this year. Yeah, they are some kind, somewhat consistent late in the season. Um, Maris, yeah, that loss to Mount was bad, but, you know, they rattled off three straight wins. Uh, there's a reason why they weren't involved in that ridiculous tiebreaker between Siena, Sacred Heart, and Quinnipiac this year. Uh, because they were six and three in the conference, and they just got stuff done when they needed to do it. Um, Quinnipiac's not one of those teams, um, which is why I'm taking the Red Foxes this week. Moving on to our last game of the entire week, our only game on Sunday, we have number one Notre Dame traveling to number three Virginia for the rematch, and. Notre Dame has to be hungry for revenge against this UVA squad. And honestly, I think the biggest motivator here for Notre Dame is that if they win this game, I think they undoubtedly earn the number one seed in the tournament. I I don't think there's a way that even if they lose that last game against North Carolina, I think that just boosts, boosts North Carolina up. I don't know if that'll knock them off, but I also can't see them losing that game against UNC. So if they win this game, I'm assuming they beat UNC. I don't think they're going to lose. And they get that number one seed. They have to know that's there for the taking. And on top of that, UVA has a midweek matchup against Lafayette. And even though they might just kind of overlook it, that's still a game that you have to play. And it's still travel that you have to do and preparations that you have to do. Notre Dame has all week prepared for this game. Uh, and... I'm also a very big believer that it's really, really, really hard to beat a team that's this good as Notre Dame is twice in one season. So I'm I'm going to take Notre Dame in what I think is going to be a classic. I'm I'm going to take Notre Dame for that last reason you said the beating the same team twice in a season. It, it's just it's so damn hard, and the fact that Virginia did it on the road was impressive, uh, and I think Notre Dame kind of gives it right back to them. UVA, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, but they just, I don't know if they've really been themselves the past couple outings, whereas I think Notre Dame, don't get me wrong, they didn't play a flawless game against North Carolina, but you just see the gears turning, and we've said it all year, I've said it all year, this Notre Dame team is on a, is on a mission, they're on a kind of destiny of dreams mission to redeem themselves from last year, to make it as far as possible into international championship. And to do that, you need to beat a team like Virginia in a tough environment. So I think as much as anything, this is a great learning experience for this Irish team. I do think they walk away with a win. I'm sure Virginia probably makes it close at home. But I just like the Irish here. I, I do. And, and I think they, to drive Ain's point, I think they block down that number one overall seed. Yeah, this would certainly lock it down for them. Um, I think despite the loss, despite losing to uh, UNC2 next week, if that happens, um, they'll still have the head-to-head tiebreaker over um, over Notre Dame, or, or over Duke, rather. Um, or actually, maybe not, depending on, you know, um, depending on conference record, but 
I'll have to look at the tiebreaker rules again. But, yeah, I really like Notre Dame here. Um, Lars Tiffany, he can do all the 10-man rides he wants. He can dress dress like he's a coach in 1985 in a suit and tie all he wants um he's not beating notre dame on a revenge team in a revenge game like this one for them um you know they they handled syracuse this past weekend but i thought they looked shaky at times pd lasala isn't the same pd lasala that we've seen in recent years and they're a lot more competitive at the faceoff dot uh liam mentiman is a very solid goalie and they have a great defense um who can figure out that Virginia offense um, with Colin Sh- Connor Schellenberger having sort of a down year um, where Peyton Cormier is the leading goal scorer and leading points leader for them. Um, so, yeah, I really like Notre Dame's defense, um, and I think their offense will be more prepared uh, against this very tall Virginia defense as well. So I like the Irish here. And with that, we have no more games left, gentlemen. Um, just a quick update. Just going to say win and in scenarios. It's very simple for these teams. Mercer, UMass, High Point, Providence, Harvard, Yale. Very simple this week for you guys. Win and you're in. The rest of you guys win and you need a lot of help. Should be a very, very entertaining weekend, especially with the MAC tournament getting, getting rolling and the Big Ten tournament as well. Want to shout out anything you guys want to point out before we uh, close it down for the night? Uh, again, even more so than last week. Um, I honestly don't even know how many games there are this weekend, but other leagues playing some really good lacrosse. I'm just going to shout out Georgia Tech because my boys pulled it out. We got the AQ. We won the SELC. We upset number one Florida 14-10 Saturday night this past weekend. And then we went out and beat, oh, thank God, we smacked South Carolina. And they deserve it. That team sucks. So, congrats, Georgia Tech. SCLC chance, first time since 2017. Get that AQ. Might be number one seed in the entire tournament, which would be huge. So, and D3 Good games, too. Don't know it as much as MCLA, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, D3 final regular season games are this weekend, same as D1. Boy, I think an alternative title to this episode should be win and you're in or win and you still need a lot of help. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> Just need a lot of help. Yeah, D3 games, uh, some pretty good ones. Uh, RIT's playing St. Lawrence. That should be a great game. Lynchburg, my little brother, um, we're playing uh, Hampton Sydney on Saturday. They got Guilford on. Yeah, it certainly should be. It'll be for I think it'll be for the number one seed in the uh, in the conference tournament um, because they did drop that game against Randolph Macon, which was unfortunate. But the boys have a tune-up game against Guilford on Wednesday, and then they got Hampton Sydney. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to make it out for that game, and it should be very exciting. Um, but yeah, show show the D3 some love. We say it every week. Um, show the D2 some love um, if you've played for a team or just enjoy watching those teams as well. Um, and, yeah, go watch it. Watch out for Georgia Tech, man. I I wanted I didn't get a chance to see them this weekend, unfortunately, but I'm definitely going to be following them closely uh, as as the weeks go on. Um, go Jackets, MC- 
Yeah, MCLA, man, they play, where do they play, where do they usually play the tournament? Because they play in a very nice complex for that. Uh, they used to play, when I was there, we played in uh, Salt Lake City, which was, oh my God, mm. like just beautiful. Everybody beautiful. goes to Utah, like I can understand why. It is gorgeous there. Um, the last two years they've played in Round Rock, which is right outside of Austin. So I think it's there again this year. Um, trust me, I'll be giving little updates, tidbits on that. It, trust me, if you want some good lacrosse, that the tournament for MCLA is really good lacrosse. And like I very, said last week, very entertaining. If, if you're a fan of like a, a nice D1 school that might not have a D1 lacrosse team, I can assure you they have an MCLA team and they're probably pretty good too. It's really fun. Support your school. Most teams now have streams to watch the games. So most of them are just YouTube for free, which is awesome. I know Georgia Tech has it on there. Great time. Really good lacrosse still. Very good way to grow the sport. <laughs> awesome. Awesome stuff. Yeah. No, it with with the with the internet and YouTube and just the accessibility and just the you know, availability of like the camera and the live stream. Um, we're just, we're being exposed to a lot more lacrosse at a lot more levels. And it's certainly a great thing for the sport. Um, literally living by the slogan, just grow the game, grow the game. All righty, boys. Oh, one, my last one more thing, thing to convince you guys to watch MCLA even more. It's good players. Jacksonville this year, one of their senior captains, he used to play on MCLA team. He played at Florida State for four years before transferring for Jacksonville for his fifth year, and he's a captain there now. So really good players on those teams still. Keep an eye out for them. Good lacrosse. You can continue, boy. <laughs> Very sweet. No, that just shows you, like, if you're in MCLA, still the door's wide open to play at, at a higher level. Um, so, you know, just keep putting in that work and just keep playing, man. All righty, boys. Uh, Glazer, anything else before we sign off? All set here. Sweet. All righty. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. Enjoy the week. Go be a dog this week. <laughs>